to the Nerdogram Podcast. ultimate mashup between the Enneagram personality tool and all your favorite characters from film, TV, and literature. On today's episode, we are typing the characters from Elf. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Nerdogram Podcast. My name is Lance. My name is Kate. Hey, Kate. How's life? Life is okay. Got kids that are getting sick again and all the fun that goes with that. But the upside is I'm getting lots of snuggles. That is always a plus. Even if they're particularly well wet, you know, mucus filled, change your shirt afterwards because there's those little crusties all over the sleeves. <laughs> um, mine aren't, aren't super snotty, but... Uh, we have had a bit of throwing up over the week and you know, that's a real act of love as a parent when your kid wants to sit on you when he or she has been vomiting, because you know, that there's, you know, the odds are good that you're going to get puked on and you hold them anyway. <laughs> I mean, I think that's could be said of every day. You know, when <laughs> you've got kids, it, it's never a sure thing that you're going to get thrown up on, but the odds are never zero. So my kid will probably kill me in a few years if he ever goes back and listens to this. And I won't say which kid it was just for the sake of privacy. But this week, one of our children started yelling for us to come upstairs. This is like three o'clock in the morning. And he said that he had peed in his bed. He did not, by the way. He occasionally says that he peed in his bed as a way of getting us upstairs. And then we have to change the sheets and he picks out a new pillowcase and it's a way of getting time and attention in the middle of the night, which is frankly very annoying. Um, But this child said he peed in his bed and came upstairs. And as soon as I was at the base of the stairs, there was this awful stench, Lance. And I assumed it was vomit, but it didn't quite smell like vomit. And I was just bracing like, oh no, he didn't pee in his bed. He threw up, he must've thrown up all over the bed or, you know, something disgusting, but there was nothing. And this kid got tired of me looking around the room, trying to find the source of this horrific odor. And so he just laid down on the floor and went back to sleep on the floor. I had to call my husband. We're both, you know, the lights are off. We've got the hall light on just so that we can see the toys. Their room was so messy. It was a danger zone. We're all, we're both just sniffing, trying to find the source of it. And I noticed that it seemed stronger around one of my sons. But I'm looking and he hadn't thrown up in his bed. Well, my husband pulls back the covers and we're just hit with this awful, awful smell. And so he wakes the kid up and tells him, go check your underwear. <laughs> and the kid is you know, disoriented, confused. He doesn't know what's going on. He was asleep, sound asleep, kind of stumbles into the bathroom and he looks in his underwear and he's like, well, there is something there. <laughs> he had had... I guess, diarrhea in his sleep. And this is a kid who's fully potty trained. So I don't really know how this happened, but it was so bad. I I gagged and almost vomited while I put it into the washer, like just holding it by the tips of my fingers for a few seconds while I put it into the washer. I almost lost my dinner and bedtime snack. 
it was so disgusting. We had to wash like all the bedding. Like I, I was worried that it was going to just per- it permeated into the walls because you could still kind of smell it for several hours. It was the worst odor I've ever encountered. And I've like found dead animals and walls before. And it was worse than that. I'm surprised you washed the clothes because personally, I would have been like, those are gone now. That would have been a double bagged out the door with cut our losses. Well, I had him walk downstairs to the laundry room. So at that point, the washer was closer than the trash can. So I was just going to drop it. (laughs) I just needed it away from me as quickly as possible. Oh, so this is a, a side benefit of our podcast is that for our younger listeners, who are perhaps in a stage of life where family planning is particularly important, we are motivating them to exercise good judgment and family planning. So maybe we'll get an endorsement from a birth control or something. Hey, I waited until I was 30 before we had kids, and I don't regret that for a second. (laughs) Not at all. I love my children. My children are fantastic people, and my life is richer because of them. It was great having so many years where it was just my wife and I, and we tried to soak up all the sleep. I don't think we slept enough. I think if going back, we would have slept more to try and bank some of that because I think we've run out, but absolutely it's, and speaking of lack of sleep, by the time this airs, we'll be getting less sleep because we'll be having a new member of the family. Yep. You guys are, but you better clarify this because just like your Facebook friends, people are going to think you're having a baby. That Yeah, that happened. We we were with a group of friends out to dinner and we were using coded language to talk about this puppy that is joining our family. And we didn't use the word puppy because my kids don't know yet. We have not told them yet. And so they're just going to, there's going to be a puppy. And so we were talking and they were all very excited. And we just thought, they're as excited about this dog as we are because they know they're going to come over and play with it. And so (laughs) I said something about uh, crate getting a new crate. And one of the women (laughs) looked at me and goes, wait, so we're not talking about a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, why would we just suddenly like, there's a baby. Like, (laughs) you mean you don't crate train your babies? No, that's what I did. This feels like a thing that would end up in a uh, child welfare case. <laughs> so, no, we don't do that precisely for that reason, because it is much easier for us to put the puppy in the crate and go on with our lives. Uh, we can't do that with kids. Nope. Although my children do love to put laundry baskets over top their bodies and then pretend they're in jail. Like That's a thing in our family. <laughs> My kids do that too, but then they, they pretend they're kitties or dogs, you know, mm. and, and so they, they bark or meow and have their own little zoo going on. I, I'm not sure what they're going to do because they've only had older dogs and, you know, we, we lost our older one ace a while back. And so it was, it was kind of, we had planned for it. We kind of anticipated getting another one when he was gone. So the kids have not really been around. They've been around puppies, but never really one that's been around them and their home. And I think they're going to be excited and they're going to realize that puppies chew and puppies like chase you and try and grab onto your pajama pants and all the things. So we're going to see how, how much they like that part of it. So it's actually kind of appropriate that we've both opened 
with stories about our kids. And it leads me to wonder, Lance, if in, I don't know, say 20 years or so, you're living your best life, maybe not your best life, but you're living a good life, raising your kids, working hard, making money, probably working too much. If if someone knocked on your door, dressed up as a, a mythical figure, and claimed that you were his daddy, how would you feel about that? I would have a lot of strong feelings. Um, I would have questions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I would respond like Walter Hobbs did, but I would definitely have questions. <laughs> oh, well, as our audience is perhaps figuring out our uh, film that we are discussing today is the Christmas classic starring Will Ferrell, Elf. And you made me sad this week, Kate. I know. I'm sorry. I don't love Elf. I'm just, I'm getting it out there. I I don't love it. I don't hate it, but uh, I was a little bit ticked off because I started watching it and then I was just kind of done and turned it off. And if you rent a movie on Amazon Prime, you only have 24 or 48 hours to watch it and I let it go too long so I had to pay for it twice in order to watch the last 20 minutes of it and I was a little bit irritated by that those are just the consequences of your mistakes (laughs) yeah this is what I get for not loving elf I so I told my wife when you text me I think you text me in the morning and so we were sitting at dinner and I said I got a a text from Kate about elf because she knew we were going to be doing that this episode and she goes oh did she watch it I said yeah she doesn't like it and that was the most flabbergasted i've seen my wife in a long time she just wasn't even finishing sentences she was going but i mean how wh- why like christmas <laughs> I, I mean it's buddy the elf. I mean, she was just absolutely flabbergasted that she could not understand <laughs> that anyone would just not adore this movie it just didn't do it for me. I, there are other quirky Christmas movies that I enjoy, but I'm also not a huge Will Ferrell fan. And and so it's just it's just not my cup of tea. But I yeah. can appreciate why others love it. I and mean, we named one of our kids after one of the characters. So <laughs> you did. that doesn't uh, indicate how we feel about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which that was one of the first conversations that you and I had because uh, the first time we met in person, uh, Rochelle and your daughter were there and I was like, Oh, is she named after Bon Jovi? Or or I was like, are you a Bon Jovi fan? (laughs) (laughs) And I could tell you did not like that assumption. (laughs) Only because that comes up more often than you would think. I I realized that after the fact, like I'm probably the 85th person to ask him that this weekend. I mean, I do like Bon Jovi, but I don't like him well enough to name my daughter after him. <laughs> but Zoe Deschanel's character, Jovi, is definitely a worthy namesake. Absolutely. Though the great irony is, you know, because Jovi comes from jovial, so joy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and that was part of our reasoning too, because our our road to parenthood is long and complicated and not relevant to the Enneagram. So when Jovi came into our lives through adoption, uh, 
we both loved the movie Elf and had the idea of wanting to name her that she was our joy. Oh, so, there you go. I love that so much. I want to steal that and like name a book character after her now. I mean, lots of great people are named Jovi. That's true. I, I have mixed feelings about signing off. I'm not saying no. I would never be offended. I have mixed feelings about signing off on a character for a romance novel. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. You could never read it. My my dadness is like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I will never. I love all of my son's names, but I would never, ever write a hero with one of my son's names. I actually changed the book. I just finished a book. Uh, listeners, I finished a book last night. <laughs> finished writing a book. Um so that's exciting. But I had initially named my hero Matthew. And when I had been plotting that book, but from the time that I had plotted it and then got to a point where I started writing, I had we had developed a much closer friendship with with another family and the the husband in that family. His name is Matthew. And I wrote like two chapters and then went back and I'm like, nope, his name's Michael now. I cannot do it. I cannot. It was just too, it was too close in my mind. Like not going to happen. So when I read this book, I will know who to picture in my mind because I know this person. You do. And <laughs> you should not picture that person because I was very intentional. No, actually. So this is one thing I love. I, I Do you know who Aiden Turner is? The actor? Do I? He plays Ross Poldark in the PBS. He was also in Being Human. He was the uh, BBC version. He was one of the dwarves in the Hobbit movies. The most handsome dwarf. So, how would you define which is the most handsome? The one that Aiden Turner played. <laughs> that is a circular line of logic that I'm struggling to follow. <laughs> I never had to take logic in college. Uh, but anyway, he was my inspiration for my character, and so I I just started making a joke like, "Oh, that guy looks like looks like Poldark. It looks like Ross Poldark," and so. My hope is that my readers, if if I ever publish this book, will Google Ross Poldark and then they'll know exactly what my hero looks like. I'm not going to be able to get it out of my head when I read this because I will read this. <laughs> I got to I've read your first book and I'm eager to read your second book. They're very different. Well, are you ready to jump in to yeah. Enneagram? Uh, we've we've been rambling for a little bit so we'll bring it back on track which which of our characters do you want to start with from the movie elf let's start with emily does that sound good that sounds great she's just a sweetheart i would love to know her in real life she seems like a neighbor who would bring you cookies at christmas she definitely would bring you cookies at christmas she'd be like the person that my kids had fallen in love with in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. like i'm picturing our neighborhood and i can tell you exactly who that person would be Mm mm-hmm well, do you think Emily could be an Enneagram one? No, I mean, she is principled. She she definitely has a sense of of her values and she sticks to her guns on those things. One of the things I appreciate is that she's willing to stand up to Walter, which was an interesting thing. Uh, like an Enneagram one would. There are certain types that would stick up for what they think is right. And so in that sense, I could see some one qualities. I'm I'm not sure that I think she's a one. But I think that has more to do with her kind of being an archetype of the mom. Yeah, she definitely seems like one of two numbers that tend to be portrayed like in a more nurturing way. Because as we were saying before recording, 
she doesn't feel like a well-rounded character. She feels like a placeholder or an archetype that serves a certain role in the story. And that's okay. Every story needs those characters. I actually thought she probably wasn't a one because I thought if she were a one, she would stand up to Walter more than Mm. what she did because she does ultimately call him out. But I think of in early in the film, she's clearly dissatisfied with his overworking his lack of attention to Michael, I would assume to her. And she says it, but she says it in such a nice way. She's not angry. She's not really, she's mentioning it like, Hey, you're not really, you know, showing up for your family. But I feel like if she were a one, there would have been a little more expectation to change and to do better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So does that make you think she's a two then? I think the archetype can look like a two. She's very nurturing. She's very sweet. She's a, she wants to bring people together. She's very accepting of a stepson that she didn't know existed. I can see some two-ness there, but I don't know that I see her trying to get people to love her, especially with her relationship with Walter when he's this really disconnected spouse. If she were a well-developed character who was also a two i would expect her to be trying to get his attention in some way Mm -hmm. what do you think i I don't think she's a two she definitely is relational forward but i read that more as archetyping women as being oriented towards relationships all the time we don't see her manipulating situations to get walter to be the father that she thinks he ought to be Mm -hmm. i think she would pull more strings than she does. There's a couple times that she intentionally doesn't handle buddy so that Walter has to, but as passive aggressive as it is, I really would attribute that to a different number Mm -hmm. than a passive aggressive too. Yeah. I don't think she's a two, even though she looks like a very stereotypical, loving, affectionate, nurturing wife and mom. I don't think she's a two. What about a three? No, there's wasn't really anything that I saw that made me think three, we don't see her success driven. Family is very important to her. I think if she was more of a three, she would understand more of why Walter does what he does, why he's always working, why he doesn't have time for the family. She would get more from that success and her own success. Uh, Cause she, she has her own job. She does her own thing, but it, it's very clear that her priorities are not oriented towards her own pride or her own success. Completely agree. There was nothing about her that felt three-ish to me. What about a four? I don't know that I saw enough to say she couldn't be a four, but there was nothing that struck me as four-ish. I didn't see her displaying any sort of jealousy, and I would imagine she would be jealous of Walter's attention if that was the case. She doesn't do push-pull in her relationships. She's empathetic. She does understand or, or at least can sit with Buddy and his feelings, the feelings he can't sit with. She can sit with them. She can sit with uh, with Michael's feelings. But I think she's just a really healthy, kind person. I agree. The, the empathy is the only four trait that I could say. I could be Emily, but I think she's really just a nice person, like you said. Um, there's There's no sense that her individuality is important to her. She's not asserting herself 
and I mean self in a in a deeper sense. She's not individuating from Walter. She's she's not particularly emotive. She's very even keel and laid back. I I don't think that looks like a four. I don't think she really looks like a five either. She's I don't far either. too relational. She has the energy for others, but we don't really see her acting outside. She really welcomes people into her circle. I, I think a, a five would have a hard time inviting someone like Buddy into their world. Trying to imagine my husband with a buddy and his wife. <laughs> Just make him tired. Like he would be nice to him. He would. My husband oh, yeah. is very nice, friendly, kind gracious man but when he's done he just sort of like i can tell when he's done socializing because his eyes drift towards the tv or he he might still be sitting with people but they're watching a game or they're doing something that allows him to emotionally check out a little bit and sort of get a breather uh he's not the person who's going to sit at the the table and drink coffee for hours after a meal and I think someone like Buddy would just make him really tired. So I don't think she's a five. No. <laughs> what about a six? Maybe. And sixes are people who make an organization work. They can also be people who make a family system work. And she is definitely the one who is holding all the pieces of the family together. She's very loyal. Her husband doesn't seem that great, but she's loyal to him. You know, she picked him. He's her person. She is conscious of others in a way that would work with the dependent stance and others referencing. She's quite trusting, though. And I feel like if I met someone like Buddy, my first assumption would probably be some kind of psychological issue. And I wouldn't be super keen for that person to say, be alone with my adolescent son. You know, those kinds of things. Or she just, she doesn't believe Buddy, but she thinks he's good and harmless and just goes with it. And I I don't think a six would do that. No, I don't think so either. I'm not sure any rational person would do some of the things that they do in this movie, but that's okay. <laughs> what about a seven? So she is joy. She She brings joy, but I don't see her as the embodiment of joy. She's she's too wallflower-ish. Yeah, she's not aggressive enough to be a seven. And same thing for an eight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we're kind of rounding down to the number that you at least are leaning to. And I'm 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 kind of leaning towards as well. And that's a nine. When she does push back against Walter, it's when she's had enough. She's she's been pushed to her breaking point, so she explodes. Mm-hmm. And then she starts says, figure it out. You know, it, it, it's she's done. Like She's accommodated. She's accommodated. She's tried to make everyone feel welcome. She's tried to keep the peace and the peace just isn't coming. And, and so the way she just seems to respond to each and every person, she meets them where they're at. Again, that makes me think of a nine. Um, they're beloved people who can just, once, one time we talked about this and you described to me a nine being someone where they would agree with everyone in the room. And so everyone would think they're on their side. And I get that sense from Emily. She seems mm-hmm. to have a unique relationship with each and every person uh, that's warm and welcoming and, and peace. It is about that peace. And when she welcomes Buddy into her home, she acknowledges that this is a troubled adult. This is a person who has some clear issues going on. But her thought is that they that by bringing them, him into their family unit, that 
that Buddy can achieve a kind of peace and put behind these childish things that he's clearly coping with in her mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. And and that they can sort of love him into healing. So there's just so much of her that makes me see her seeking peace and going along with everyone else. She goes along with Buddy making breakfast, <laughs> a great scene, and lunch. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, not a lot of us would al- allow someone to pour maple syrup on our spaghetti and eat it and pretend to be happy about it. She seems like she's merged with Walter as well. She kind of goes along with his agenda, even though she doesn't like it. And that is one of the the downsides. Every number has their downsides. The downside of a nine is that they can be led places they don't want to go by people with stronger, more forceful or aggressive personalities. And a lot of times nines end up partnering with people who have stronger, more, more aggressive personalities. And that can be a really beautiful thing as the nine softens the more aggressive number and the the more aggressive number can challenge the nine to, to step into their power and to, you know, own their, their views. But if you're not healthy, what will happen is that the more aggressive number will just maybe not intentionally bully, but control and bully and the nine will get really angry and upset about that at the end of the day. And so it, like any partnership, it can be really healthy or it can be really terrible depending on how healthy we are as individuals. I definitely see some, I would even say unhealthy merging with Emily because Walter's behavior is really pretty terrible as a husband and father at the beginning of the film. And he has some redemption through it but it's not acceptable. His workaholism isn't acceptable. His lack of attention to his family is not acceptable. And she challenges him, but not until she's been pushed to a breaking point. And I think there are lots of other numbers who would say, this isn't okay, man. We got, we've got to, we got to change something here. And they would have done it sooner. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Walter, do you think he could be a one? I don't think he's a one there. So the one scene, there are lots of reasons why I don't, he doesn't feel like a one, but there's a scene that makes me think he's absolutely not a one. Whenever they come back and they find that the page is missing, the pages are missing and he signed off on it. Uh huh. I have a hard time seeing a one just going, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Ship it. You know, I, uh, nope. (laughs) That wouldn't have happened. Yeah. No, he would, he would never allow a book to be shipped with, or one would never allow a book to be shipped that was missing pages. That's so blatantly wrong. And the book being garbage anyways, it was bad. Even with, if, if those pages had been, he's not worried about if it's good enough. It's just about meeting quotas. It's getting right. books out. It's not. Yeah. He's not a one. Yeah. What about a two? Oh yeah. Super relational. Dying to be loved. Warm fuzzies all throughout. Needs no. affirmation and affection. He just wants to build gingerbread houses and eat Toll House cookie dough and snuggle to his heart's content. <laughs> okay, so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he could be a three? I kind of do think he's a three. He he strikes me as that power exec. Yeah. He's, he's in a role, not because he loves children's books, though he does stay in that field afterwards. 
it seems like he's in there because he understands systems and he understands how to climb ladders and he understands the corporate structure and striving for that success. He wants to have the numbers. He wants to have the things. He wants the acclimates. He's got a little bit of an ego, but when we see his boss come in, he he's forceful on others, but he immediately sort of backs off and he's very almost cringing you know, mm-hmm. to, to his boss because he needs to kiss butt to this person. He knows the butts he needs to kiss and he's yeah. going to do it for, for success reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's very deferential towards his boss and schmoozy. Oh, those were the words I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could be a three as well. That workahol workaholism is not every three overworks, but that is a hallmark of the three. He seems to care about status in some ways. It's not said, but when you look at the way he dresses, the way he carries himself, when you look at their home, which is really obviously a said you know, decorator did that, but there's a sense that this is a family that enjoys some of the finer things. They have a candlelit dinner with wine goblets around a fancy table and I don't know about your family, but that's not what dinner looks like at our house. No, it's if we if we were to be sucking down wine, it'd be through like plastic sippy cups, you know, or <laughs> things that are not easily spilled. Yeah. I mean, even now I'm drinking out of a cup with a, a snap on lid. My kids have been <laughs> in bed for ages. Still don't trust it. It, it seems like he he wants the appearance of success. He wants success and the appearance of it. Definitely. What about a four? Is that a possibility for Walter? I really don't think so. He pushes Buddy away, but he does it because he's not comfortable with the pain of the past. I think a four would be much more comfortable with those feelings. He also doesn't seem to strive for any sort of authenticity. He doesn't care if his work looks good or not. Again, going back to that book, I think a four would struggle to put out a piece of crap. They would they would be the one who wants to make the book and they want it to be mm-hmm. the best book ever that is the truest expression of their their art, their vision, the story that they want to tell. Yeah, there's nothing about Walter that strikes me as a four. He can he can go from being a jerky boss to a butt kissing peon <laughs> so quickly. He's not trying to differentiate himself from others. There's no sense that who he is as a person and self-actualization is something that matters to him. He's not comfortable with anyone's emotions, his or anyone else's. Now this guy's not a four. What about a five? I did wonder about a five, his low energy, his sarcasm, the way he wants to just not deal with the emotions of other people. Cause they're, they just exhaust him when buddy is kind of getting in the way of him trying to do work. He's he, sells the idea of going to the mail room, this magical place with shiny things everywhere and that he can just touch everything. and It'll be great. That's about preserving his own energy levels and trying to get what he wants to get done. What dissuade me away from the five ultimately was how he responded to his family, that workaholic side that we attribute more to threes than to fives. Yes. He definitely has that sarcastic humor and that grumpiness that some fives can have and he has very little energy for buddy but he seems to have more energy overall for other things and i also read his dismissal of buddy or sending him to the mailroom as being 
perhaps even more about hiding him because he's ashamed that his son is so strange. And that, that shame piece makes me think more of a three, but not a five. Definitely. I, I think of the candy gram when everybody shows up and wants a song and he's like, oh, he was more embarrassed than anything. Let's get this over with so I can be done with this embarrassed nonsense. Mm-hmm. What about a six? Not really. I, I don't see him. He is suspicious of others, but he's just a good New Yorker. Uh, you know, it's it's not, I wouldn't identify that as part of his identity. He doesn't seem to be scanning for danger all the time. He's distrustful of Buddy, but I mean, I would be too <laughs> if this guy just shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't seem anxious. Mm-mm. And he doesn't seem to care much about what others think about him. He doesn't have that sense of obligation and duty for the common mm-hmm. good. So I don't think he's a six. No. I also don't think he's a seven. He's He doesn't reframe. He's fairly negative. He's very pessimistic. He would say he's mm-hmm. a realist, but he doesn't have that optimism, that joy, that, that drive for fun or adventure that a seven has. What about an eight? Possibly. Yeah. He's really uncomfortable with emotions. He doesn't easily admit when he's wrong. He's pretty aggressive and can be unnecessarily and unapologetically mean. It's possible. What do you think? I think it's possible. He's definitely in the aggressive stance. So eight, seven, three, mm-hmm. but I still lean more towards the three. Same. I think, I think he is a three. I, I do too. I, I don't think he's a nine either. Mm-mm. He's way too confrontational to be a nine. Mm-hmm. Agree, a hundred percent. I would feel good about typing him as a three. If you're happy, I'm happy. Well, what about the character who's named for happiness and joy, Miss Jovi? I struggled with Jovi, so I'm gonna need your help on this one. Almighty oh, Enneagram one. Oh, that's bad news, Bears, because I am not super sure about her either. The women were not strongly written in this film. I am realizing how often that is the case as we've been doing this podcast. So is it just our selections? No, I think media (laughs) poorly represents women. I I don't disagree with you. I I think we definitely see women typecasted. And as, as much as this movie is about breaking out of the molds of stereotypes and images for masculinity at the heart, that is, that is a big piece of this, this film. Um, yet in the midst of it, we don't get strong women. We really don't. Well, do you think j- this woman that we're discussing, Jovi, could be an Enneagram one? Maybe. There's nothing to me that says she's not a one, but she also doesn't strike me. I mean, there's there's a scene whenever Buddy comes back after he's gotten fired from the job he never had in the first place, and and she's like, "Oh, are you going to get in trouble for being here?" You know, she she's worried that he might be doing the wrong thing, but I don't know if, I don't know what her motivation is there. I, I don't know if she's worried about buddy getting tr- getting in trouble. If she's worried about herself getting in trouble or if she just doesn't want to associate with him because that could negatively impact her job. I don't know. Would a one steal your employer's water when your own got shut off? Maybe. I think that would be hard. I mean, it, if your water has gotten shut off and you need to shower, that's sort of a desperate and if it's allowed, I mean, how many of our jobs actually have showers at them? I mean, it, if it was a thing that was permissible at the job, then then maybe that wouldn't be a problem. Mm. 
I can't see anything that would definitively say she's not a one, but I also don't really see anything about her that makes me think she is. I agree. What about the two? I don't think she's a two. When she first meets Buddy, she is very abrupt with him. She puts up a wall. I think a two would be much more willing and welcoming of a new coworker. Yes. She's too standoffish to be a two. Yeah. See what I did there? I did. Impressive. It's really not, but <laughs> I also don't think she's a three. Mm-mm. She doesn't have really any ambition or drive. And her greatest skill set is something she's terrified to use in front of people. Mm-hmm. I think a three would probably be more comfortable being in the limelight. Do you think she might be a four? Maybe. I get the sense that Jovi is in the withdrawing stance. And so that's a four or a five or a nine. She is someone who's able to see beyond Buddy's weirdness to the person underneath, which makes me think she's very perceptive, very emotionally intelligent. She is someone who's introverted, which not all fours are introverted, but often can be. I kind of get the sense that she could be, but I don't have a great like slam dunk reason what do you think i I feel the same way she feels like a four but i'm not finding something concrete that i can point to and say yep this is it this is the moment that i knew that she was a four Mm -hmm. just really looking at all the other numbers it she doesn't feel like any of the other numbers she definitely feels withdrawing but she doesn't feel like a five or a nine right feels bad to type her that way i mean it never feels good to type someone with so little good evidence for their typing. As surface level Enneagram as we do on this this podcast with imaginary characters. We try really hard not to do surface level Enneagram though. We try not to, but they're imaginary characters. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of all we can do with character like Jovi (laughs) when we get so little time with her. I don't think she is a five, even though she is someone who likes to observe. I really have a hard time seeing a five latching themselves onto buddy because buddy just requires so much energy just to keep up with him and not that fives and sevens never get together because they absolutely do but oh i just kind of gave away what i think buddy is sorry (laughs) (laughs) we we all kind of knew what what this was gonna be spoiler alert um but yeah buddy is just over the top and i think that would be incredibly draining he is a little much and so let's just go ahead and say she's not a seven she's not an eight uh-uh. She could be a nine. So if we see her potentially merging with Buddy. She does adopt the costume at the end. I mean, when at the North Pole, you wear tights. That's true. I mean, the audience can't see it, but we dressed up for this. We no, did? We didn't. We didn't. <laughs> up, no. I was, well, you, I thought maybe you were talking about your socks, but I was trying I am to figure out elf, how the. I am wearing elf socks, but yeah. <laughs> I did not dress up for this. <laughs> Well, for a second, I thought uh, my husband has two uh, Christmas uh, thermal shirts that I like to steal. And for a second, I was like, I was looking down at what I, I was wearing. I saw you look down. I was like, she didn't catch I'm making a joke. That, so, you like, know. Am I wearing my husband's Christmas shirt? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess she could be a nine, a four or a nine, but I still think four feels more right. I agree. And that brings us to Buddy. 
Do we need to do a rundown on Buddy? No, we don't need to do a rundown on Buddy. He's the sevenest seven who ever sevened. I mean, he even tries to give the raccoon a hug whenever it hisses him. Does somebody need a hug? You know, when Miles Finch is beating him up, he's still, you know, at it. And he's like arms open, ready to love the world and share joy and gumdrops. I kind of wondered if he could be a two because he has this desire to belong and to be loved and to like have a place that fits. And that is very two-ish. But his positivity is, I mean, probably toxic if a person were like that in real life. But uh, this is a Christmas movie, so we'll (laughs) reframe it. Uh, His ability to be positive is unreal. And he reframes out the wazoo and he is looking for fun and joy in everything. And twos don't do that. Mm -mm. But you're right. There is that sense of the helper and the befriender about him. Mm-hmm. But I think it's ultimately that he wants everyone to be joyful. Yeah. He does not sit with any sort of negative emotions. And the one time he does is almost comical whenever he finds out that he's adopted and I'm an adoptive dad. We talk about adoption with our kids because we don't want to create that scenario with, with buddy. And that's, I think one of the reasons why we love this movie is we talk about adoption whenever we watch it. Mm. And so it it's, when he, that's the one time we actually see him sad and he runs crying into the snow and uh, comforted by Leon, the snowman. <laughs> well, we thought to end this episode that we would do something we haven't done in a while, which is a lightning round of some of our side characters. So if you are a newer listener, we don't do the long explanation or reasoning behind our numbers. This is kind of a gut feeling. And so we'll just name a character and one of us will say what number we think they are. It's been a long time since we've done a lightning round. It has. I don't even remember the last one that we did. I can tell you. I got my notes right here. You ready for this? I am. The last time we did a lightning round, according to my notes, is the very first Nerdogram book club book, Mistborn. (gasps) Oh, that has been a long time. It was back in August. Wow then we are due for a lightning round. We are due for one. So let's lightning round it up. You want to kick off? Tell us what you think about Miles Finch. Miles Finch is an Enneagram three. I agree. It small, but mighty. What about Papa Elf? I think Papa Elf is an Enneagram five. He does seem very tired all of the time. I mean, he's lived, he's been raising buddy. That has to be exhausting. And he's a master tinker. The guy is an expert in his field. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, let's go with Santa. What do you think Santa is? I think Santa is an Enneagram eight. I could see it. Who needs a vacation. I mean, he only works one day a year. Yeah. The way he protects buddy, you know, he wants to keep buddy safe. He's got a soft spot for babies. I could see it, but also pretty aggressive and grumpy. Oh yeah. He's willing to put people on the naughty list. And whenever Buddy approaches him, he almost smacks him with the tire iron. Why does he have a tire iron on for the sleigh? Because he's in New York. Don't <laughs> you carry a tire iron when you're in New York City? I've never been to New York City. I haven't either. But I've seen Home Alone 2 enough to know that you need to carry some to just, kind of weapon. 
assume that people carry crowbars all the time and you need to booby trap your house. So there's a great Enneagram post or Enneagram thing that I saw this week that was speculating on how each of the Enneagram types would have acted in Kevin's place for Home Alone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I You need to find this again and send it to me. I, I know where it's at. I'll send it to you. Okay. All right. Well, what about the Gimbal's manager? I think he's a six. He's a team player. He's going to get the job done, but he is very fearful that crap's going to get real. Especially when he thinks uh, the management has sent in a professional. <laughs> so, I don't know who, but somebody's gunning for my job. Yeah. <laughs> what about Ming Ming? So I did not remember who Ming Ming was until you uh, clarified that for me, but I'm going to go with an Enneagram six as well. He's also a team player. He's the corporate guy. He, uh, is very kind and he doesn't want to offend Buddy, but he also needs to make sure everything is happening and that quotas are being met. And so he's working behind the scenes to accommodate Buddy's ineptitude. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on, Buddy. You haven't made a thousand Etch-a-Sketches in a single day. I mean, Only 85. Come on. Get with the program. <sighs> well, what is going to be on our program next week, Lance? I am going to share this with great joy and we've been doing Christmas themed. And so we are going to put our flag in the sand on this one. And we are going to watch the movie die hard. I've never seen die hard. I am so excited to take this journey with you. Are there lots of explosions? Oh, of course. Okay. I'm down for that. And and be be forewarned, you know, Bruce Willis's character is not actually the one about die hard because he's not, the one who dies hard. There are I'm a lot seeing, of different I'm ways seeing to how you took that. And I'm realizing you don't have any of the context yet. So I have no context except as a romance writer. <laughs> I I'm hearing it now. When I saw your face, I, I thought, you know, I didn't think about that. And, and I hear it. I hear it now. <laughs> well, moving on from my seventh grade boy brain after die hard. We're going to be doing our December book club, which is A Christmas Carol. And I think you already uh, read it for this month. I did. And we talked about it's really fast. If you want to listen to it, it's only like three hours. But if you want to read it, it reads really fast as well. Also, there's some fantastic films out there. We talked about viewing. I think you're going to watch a couple of them, too. Yeah. Be forewarned. I am a little upset about this. I did not realize this was the case. That if you go on Disney Plus and you watch the Muppet Christmas Carol, which is the correct version, there is a song missing from the version on there that was in the original Muppet Christmas Carol. Why? Was it not PC anymore? No, I have no idea why it's not there. Supposedly, they, Disney didn't have a copy of it with it. I, I don't know the full story, but I, it's not there. And I don't know why, I, but I am not happy about it. I, I can... I can hear your sadness, your grief, your profound sense of loss. And I'm just here as your friend to sit with you in that grief. I appreciate that. This was this is the song that taught me as a child that love is real and love love exists. No, it, it didn't, but it was a it wasn't a, a big piece of that movie. So I'm really surprised that it was not included. In my household, we're a big fan of the Patrick Stewart version. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's been so long since I've seen the Muppets version that I don't know that I can compare them. So I'll have to watch it and then get back to you. Yeah. Cause I really like Jim Henson. You know, I, I've 
it, it seems like in modern times, Jim Henson has not th- that studio has not gotten its its deserved thing. You know, they re re, re- brought back uh, Dark Crystal, and that only got one season. We didn't even get like the m- multiple seasons, which was awful because it was so well done. You know, I love Labyrinth with David Bowie. Like it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it. Oh, it's so good. I I almost suggested it but when i was watching back through i thought "Ooh, there's just not a lot to type here that that's wouldn't go well i think this is interesting it would sometime it would be really fun to talk about what our parents enneagram numbers are because Mm. our cultural experiences growing up we have a lot of overlap because we're part of the same generation but we also have a lot of differences and when i was growing up most of the movies that i watched were historical action slash war movies like Indiana Jones, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like that is the movie I can quote every line of because I watched it so often with my dad, those kinds of movies. That's what makes up most of my childhood. And a lot of those more creative kind of artsy movies like Labyrinth were just not anywhere on my radar. I did not watch Labyrinth until college. Okay. So I would call that my second childhood there was a period of time where I was embracing my nerd side. I had not embraced that side of myself and it was a process that was lovingly sheltered and encouraged by my wife. I'll never forget the day that I had been secretly wanting to go to the comic book store and buy comic books, but I was so nervous about it. And my wife lovingly was like, just go. I mean, it sounds like you'll love that. Like, just, just go do it. It's fine. And so I like, sheepishly went in and bought a Batman comic. It was like a moment for me. So there was like rediscovering these movies that were on when I was a kid, but I didn't see them like labyrinth and and some others and then finding just a great joy in them. And so, yeah, as an adult, I've watched that movie a bunch of times. Mm. I just watched it like a week or two ago. Well, maybe, well, he said it doesn't have a a great cast, but that doesn't mean, or let it does have that. a great cast. It I doesn't mean, have a great cast for typing on our podcast. Magic Dance by by David Bowie in that is life changing. David Bowie did a Christmas song with is it Bing Crosby? Yeah, he did. I love. I do love that one. That one's fun, and their little banter when it's just getting started. That's such a good one. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to two more Christmas themed episodes. But until next time, that's all for me. That's all for me.